This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, of course, representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing today? I'm back in the studio. I got a massage. I got a massage until my back is better. I took the advice of our last guest last week and I went for it and it was amazing. It was worth it. I <laughs> uh, see the, the power of aging I'm matters. I'm moving. Look the at healing me. Healing power. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. It's good to have you back in the studio. Thanks. We we missed you and we really appreciate you. Uh, doing everything remotely last week, and uh, yes, no more back injury, no, Mary. You're, no. you're banned from that. But we've got a wonderful show lined up, and we've got a guest in the studio. You know, we we often like to talk about hospice because there is so much, I guess, misinformation, half truths, and misunderstandings when it comes to what hospice is. Um, but we're going to actually dial it in a little bit further, and we're going to be talking about social work when it comes to hospice and we have as our guest in the studio tara moore who is the hospice home social worker with transitions life care tara thank you so much for joining us today. hey thanks for having me glad to be here tara is near and dear to my heart just like dr luddy when we had dr luddy on the show tara took care of my grandfather in the last month and in his final days all the way till the end and took care of us more maybe more so than him a lot of the time y'all made Uh, it so easy (laughs) You did. I don't know about that. And <laughs> shout out to my dad who listens to the show. <laughs> I know. My mom's going to listen to I'm so excited. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Tara, maybe just start off. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit more? What, tell us about your role. How did you get started? This is, you know, social work is something that's kind of nebulous to some people. How did you get started in this and what made you want to be a social worker? Yeah, so I knew it would really drive my dad crazy. <laughs> Actually, my dad's a scientist. And so I was like, what can I do to make Marty nuts? Social work. <laughs> um Actually, I started in social work. I've been a social worker for 13 years. Wow. And, um, yeah, but I don't look it right. <laughs> Thanks. Um, um, I started it 13 years ago, and I started in the world of intellectual and developmental disabilities. So I worked with kids and adults with um, diagnoses like autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, things like that. And, um, you know, I monitored all their Medicaid services. Mm-hmm. So the group homes, day programs, and... I never, of all the things I never thought I would do, hospice was like top of that list. (laughs) And then they're all getting older Mm -hmm. and we don't have supports in place Mm -hmm. and we don't really do a great job of supporting them as they age. So I figured no time like now Mm -hmm. and make the jump. I left the IDD world, came to hospice to figure out how do we help adults with intellectual disabilities kind of age better Mm -hmm. and die better, honestly. Wow. And now I'm in the hospice home and I love it. That's uh, quite the jump. The hospice right. home is um, kind of a misunderstood uh, piece of hospice that not everyone yeah. quite underst- I mean, I, understands, right? Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about your role in the hospice home. What is the hospice home? What level yes. of care is that? And what is yep. your kind of role in that? So lots of hospice providers do not have a hospice home. Some do. Mm-hmm. So we are the only hospice home in Wake County. The hospice home in Cumber... Uh, encompasses lots of things. Um, 
my job is to make sure that kind of your emotional needs are met. We talk a lot about your medical. We talk a lot about your spiritual needs, but really that emotional side. How do we make sure that, you know, you're taking care of yourself? Are you sleeping? Are you drinking your water? Are you getting some sunshine? You know, do you have questions about your loved one's care? Because the doctors come in, they do a great job of explaining everything, but sometimes you need somebody to, like, break it down even further. So I come in and I say, you know, you just met with the doctor. What other questions can they answer? Now that you've had a little bit of time to think about what they've talked about. Mm -hmm. I'm also the one to help with more of the hard stuff, like talking to kids about grief. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times we've got grandparents. Sometimes, unfortunately, we've got parents in the hospice home with small kids. So we're talking to them about grief. And and how do you help children grieve? How do you balance your own grief as an adult child losing their parent or an adult partner losing their loved one? And then holding on to your child's grief as well. I also help with like final arrangements, right? Because no one wants to talk about it. But it's really important to talk about before you need them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I tell everybody the big, the biggest gift you can give your kids is to plan your own funeral. Wow. 100%. How, but it. how many times does that actually happen in your world? Um, a handful. And that's actually the first time I saw it work well mm-hmm. was in the hospice home. Like... A family came in and I was like, you know, do you have you guys picked up your home? And they're like, oh yeah, my mom did everything and handed me a folder. Wow. And I was like, I don't need the folder, but good job, mom. <laughs> good job. It's helpful. Helpful. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So this is inpatient level of care. Then yep. it is similar to what it's I would like consider a mini like, ICU. Yes, exactly. Yep. So what is what are the other levels of care and how do you qualify? Like what makes you able to be in the hospice home versus say a nursing right. home or at your home? Right. So I think there's a really big difference in in um, hospice in the field, right? Hospice in your home and hospice in the hospice home. So everybody dies, right? I had a fourth grade teacher that would say, the only guarantees you have in life is to die and pay taxes. And I still remember that, like to this day. And, you know, you can die not in the hospice home. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really big kind of hard thing to hear Mm -hmm. for families, right? But you're going to come to the hospice home if your symptoms cannot be managed. So if the meds that you take by mouth are not working anymore, or if um, you can't swallow your medication, Mm -hmm. we do what's called a midline or a a little button in your arm, a sub-Q button, to get your meds into a different route. That way you're not in agonizing pain. If you're not um, super agitating, like pulling your clothes off or reaching for things in the air that that aren't there. Um, We also pull you into the hospice home for things like seizures, you know, things like that. And the other levels of care, you know, I think it's a big uh, misunderstanding. You can, most people are at home that are on hospice. And uh, the percentage of people that we have in the hospice home is a very small fraction of our patients. It is. It's a small fraction. And so when you come to the hospice home, there are three levels of care. It's that general inpatient, which is like you're coming for hospital level of care. But the goals of hospital level care in the hospice home are very different, right? Mm -hmm. We are not driving for um, cures anymore. Mm -hmm. We're driving for comfort. So the goals are very different. The other level of care is we have a respite level of care. So when we have families in the home and your caregiver needs a break, we rely really heavily on the nurses and the social workers in the field to say, listen, so-and-so needs a break. Let's get them in for a respite stay. And they come to the hospice home. They can come to the hospice home. Mm -hmm. They can also go to other facilities. Mm -hmm. Um, We kind of like to keep our patients, you know, Mm -hmm. close by. Mm -hmm. But, of course, you know, we only have so many openings. So, um, that, that's always a wait, uh, thing, too. But if it's a Medicare-covered, I think it's six days, five nights, mm-hmm. um, 
and that's another level of care. The other, the other level of care is called routine level of care. That's a level of care we don't want people to have in the hospice home because it's kind of there. You don't need to be here. We just can't really find a place for you to go. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times patients might stabilize, mm-hmm. like like your grandfather did, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. He came in and kind of like didn't get worse. So we flipped his level of care mm-hmm. and he was a routine level of care. Mm-hmm. And so that comes with a cost though, mm-hmm. because Medicare doesn't cover everything. Right. And that's hard for families to hear, right? Because we are also bound by guidelines. Right. And I hate to say to families like, listen, I know this is not ideal. However, there is a cost associated to this level of care and Right. And, you know, we have to talk about these things. Yeah. You know, I, I that's interesting. We talked about my grandfather a lot on the show and we talked about how he flipped to routine level of care and, and what that looked like. And um, and then he eventually went back to GIP level of care. So you can go in between the levels right. of it's care. It's super fluid. Yeah. And it can, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are coming from the hospital or or even out in the out in their homes that are thinking about moving to a nursing home, I know that you work on placement services for those routine level mm-hmm. of care patients. Talk to us briefly before we go to break. Yeah. What does placement look like for you right now? How challenging is it, is, it in our world? So I don't think anybody likes to talk about it, right? Like mm-hmm. I feel like I am the worst person in the building when I go to a room and I say, hey, listen, I know that you don't want to leave here because we do. We give great care. It's a nice place. All those great things. I'm there and I'm pretty fabulous. <laughs> um, but it's not the most appropriate use of services. It's not the most mm-hmm. appropriate use of that bed. And so placement is hard because mm-hmm. you want to find the right fit. You want to find the right placement. You want to be close to their families because people do better when they see their loved ones. And um, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. That's why we're, we ask really graciously for families to, you know, take a deep breath Let's get through this together. Yeah. You can freak out when I freak out yep. kind of thing. And that's exactly what you told that's me. That's exactly what you I said. You said, when I'm freaking out, you freak out. Don't worry about it and until I then. And I never did, right? No, you didn't. No. It worked out. Yep. <laughs> well, we're not freaking out either because we're lucky enough to have Tara Moore here in the studio. She's the hospice home social worker with Transitions Life Care. And we're getting her perspective on how things work in hospice. And we're going to continue that conversation with her right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. With your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680, WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, you can go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, our guest in the studio. We have Tara Moore with us. She's a hospice home social worker with Transitions Life Care, and she's giving us her perspective on hospice care. And Mary, we've sort of gone over um, kind of the nuts and bolts of things mm-hmm. of uh, hospice and the levels of care and sort of how that's that's a fluid thing in the hospice home. But mm-hmm. now we, we want to get sort of on the personal level of mm-hmm. uh, the patient side of things. Absolutely. I, from my own personal experience and, and also in, in my career, you know, I've seen um, just this week, actually, I spent a day and with our team out in the field in one of our local hospitals. 
and seeing someone who reaches the hospital with their caregiver who maybe called the ambulance in the middle of the night or, you know, hasn't been sleeping or is sleeping in a really rough chair in the hospital um, trying to take care of their loved one who is now in crisis. Um, And I I experienced that this week um, with our team, and it made me think about how you're accepting people into the hospice home on the other end. Um, You could tell this caregiver was stressed out. There was family challenges going on. There was cultural um, differences in in end-of-life care and what that looks like. You take these people when they come to the hospice home with open arms and help them navigate all of that, which is so much, and they're already burned out at that point. Talk to us a little bit about how you manage that front end situation. I can imagine when they're getting to the hospital or to the hospice home, excuse me, from the hospital, which is where most of them are coming from to the hospice home, you know, they're they're kind of on edge. Yeah, super frazzled, I think is the right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, I think there is so much information overload in the hospital. And then when you come to the hospice home, right, it's, it's quieter. There's mm-hmm. nothing beeping. And it's kind of like, like a a shock to your system. Like, what is this quiet? And our chairs are not the most comfortable either, right? <laughs> but they're not hospital chairs. Mm-hmm. And my job is kind of to pull you in and say, listen, you can now just be a caregiver. You can just be a loved one sitting by the bedside. You are not the one giving meds. We're going to do that. You're the one, You're not giving baths anymore. It's not your job to make sure that they're eating or drinking or, you know, kind of keeping up with food intake. We got this. Mm -hmm. So let me help you with that. And I I frequently remind families that this is a marathon, not a sprint. So please, drink your water. Get Mm -hmm. some sleep. Mm -hmm. I always encourage families to um, go home. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really hard for a lot of families, especially of different cultures. And so, um, you know, we want to be with our loved one. But sometimes privacy is a gift. Mm -hmm. And and I think we kind of forget that. I, I know I would, right? Like, if you told me, like, my mom is here, you need to go home, Tara, I'd be like, mm, you don't know me, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm a super hypocritical, I can admit that. But, you know, my job is to kind of make sure that you are taking care of yourself because this could be a couple of days longer. Mm-hmm. Or, like, with your grandfather. A whole month. <laughs> a whole month, right? Um, so figuring out, like, what do you need? What can I do? Have you eaten today? Mm-hmm. Have you had some water? You know, things like that. But then also... Who's got your back? Who's your support system? Can we get them in here? We've got a great support system of volunteers in the hospice home who kind of come in, come out. Um, They're great distractions. We've got therapy dogs. We've got music. We've got all this stuff and all these people in the hospice home to help give a distraction. We've got a beautiful campus to walk. So I just kind of keep reminding people. And I have a lecture that I give (laughs) in in almost every room. And I'm like, listen, you can either drink this water or I can give you a lecture. Which one sounds more appealing? (laughs) Usually they take the water. (laughs) That's very true because I've I've, we talk about my grandfather because he was the most recent thing. But my grandmother was also in the the same hospice home Um, and it was a much shorter stay. It was a week. And we basically sat vigil for a week and stayed all night, stayed all day. I read books. I did. Moms want privacy. Yes. What happened? Everybody left the room except me. And she took her last breath. And I was like, well, you weren't lying. A lot of the times you say to people, it's when you leave yeah. and someone is alone that it happens. And that's exactly yep. what happened with my grandfather. I think it's the, I think it's the their last act to protect you, mm. honestly. Like, it's a it's their last act to, to make sure that it's not what you remember. Mm-hmm. And that always gives me goosebumps to say it, right? But it's true. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. I and that's exactly what happened with with my grandfather. It, everyone left, and then they called us back. Yeah. I mean, I had just gotten to my beer. Yeah. Um, down the street, and they were like, "You need to come back." And I was like, "Well, we had a family like go to Wendy's," and I was like, "Are you?" I was like, "All right, y'all, this, this is a block away. It's a block from the hospice home." And I was like, "Just let them eat their lunch. <laughs> like just, they yeah. haven't eaten all day." <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I, I appreciate the perspective that you have about the cultural differences as well, because yeah. you you deal with that, I can imagine, yeah. every day. And, and you know, every cultural aspect is very different. You know, I've, I've seen it kind of in action um, and some of the interactions I've had with our patients. Um, and that's something that it can vary dramatically. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the only... You know, we've got lots of similarities, lots of differences, right? But we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what what we don't do, right, is some cultures talk about it less. Some cultures talk about it more. I think there's a whole lot of, like, life-saving in, in more cultures. And, you know, I think as um, Americans, right, like, we are an Irish Catholic family. Mm-hmm. And my, my nanny made the decision to stop all of our medications. And we just had to be fine with it, Right. My grandmother on my mom's side was like, no, no, save me at all costs. Right. And we're like, yeah, but like being alive is different than living. Oh, mm-hmm. And are you living? Right. Are you enjoying your days? Right. Or are you just kind of getting by? Right. And that's a really hard pill for people to swallow mm-hmm. as well as answer that question. And I can imagine you also deal with family challenges as well oh yeah especially <laughs> if you do not have a healthcare power of attorney like you are making my life more difficult than it needs to be but it's fine i love a challenge i thrive in chaos <laughs> um but yeah like getting your healthcare power of attorney in place getting your advanced directives talking to your family before you're sick is really important like i know what my parents want i'm not their healthcare power of attorney which i don't understand why like i'm a medical social worker um but i'm emotional apparently <laughs> so um the you know it's there's so much to it that you just have to talk about it you've got to like demystify it destigmatize it and make it a little more of a normal conversation i have to ask have you been in any awkward situations with families where you're basically like let's sit down and we're going to talk about this i feel like a family counselor i feel like a marriage counselor i feel (laughs) like i sometimes i'm like what did i just say (laughs) like did i really did i just tell somebody listen i know what your wife is saying (laughs) And you're not hearing it right. <laughs> like, it, Marriage counseling that, yep, 101. Navigating yeah. that is hard. Yeah, yeah. And it's in a stressful point, too. It's and yeah. Now they've waited to the to hardest. The hour. Yeah, yep. they've waited for the hardest moment to have this yep. conversation. But I have to ask, like, when you see a caregiver come in, what are signs that you're looking for that they need a little more self-care? You know, a lot of our listeners are caregivers and maybe yeah. not recognize these things. Yeah. Um, so there's a difference yeah. between burnout and compassion fatigue. And so notifying, uh, recognizing both those signs are really important, right? So burnout is like that. I, I'm just exhausted. I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. I'm not taking care of myself. Maybe you're not answering phone calls from friends anymore. Maybe you're not involved in your your church activities, your community activities. Compassion fatigue is more of that, like, if I have to, you know, if I have to change my loved one one more time, I'm going to lose my marbles. Mm-hmm. And, like, you just feel like you're so tired on the inside and, like, a nap is not going to help this. Mm-hmm. And compassion fatigue is, like, a step past burnout. And I think a lot of us, especially after the pandemic, right, are kind of tottering between that that line. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of where I was in work. Um and it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Asking for help is not a problem. It is not a sign of weakness. 
So just ask. I think that's something a lot of people should hear yeah. is that asking for help piece because you d- you don't want to you don't want to be weak you don't want right. to be vulnerable and it's hard to do that. Right, but there's a lot of strength in vulnerability. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of strength in asking for help because people need people need their village at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And a lot of times when you get to the point of burnout or compassion fatigue, it's it's hard to recognize it and pull yourself out without having a an outside perspective. We're speaking with Tara Moore. She is a hospice home social worker with Transitions Life Care, and she's giving us the social worker perspective when it comes to hospice. And we've got more with her right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest in the studio is Tara Moore. Tara is a hospice home social worker with Transitions Life Care and we're getting her point of view when it comes to hospice care, the view of the social worker. And we've covered a lot of ground so far, Mary, um, a, a lot of different points. Mm-hmm. But one thing we mentioned in the first segment that we thought it would be really good to dive into is the subject of grief. Absolutely. I, um, I There's a special moment in the hospice home, and maybe you can expand on it more before we dive into the, to the grief part um, that I heard. But uh, there is a moment when uh, called Honor Guard, and right. I don't want to share what it's all about. Maybe you can talk to us about it, and then we'll come back to the grief yeah. piece. So yeah. Honor Guard is a hospice home ritual. We've got a couple of them, and I think it's one of the most sacred hospice home rituals that we have. So when a patient dies and the funeral home comes, um, you know they put their body, their loved one's body, on a stretcher, and then we all stop what we're doing. We line the hallways, and then as their body leaves the building, they kind of go through all of us, and it's like our last respectful send off. And I think it's important for the families. It offers some kind of moment of closure, also a moment of closure for the staff because we have loved on this person and cared for this person, you know, for however long. And mm-hmm. um, it's just a time to to kind of reflect. It is one of the most special moments that you have as an employee. Yeah. Um, I if I ever know that there's an honor guard coming, I my first I, one I cried. Yes. Like I couldn't. <laughs> yes. It wasn't pretty. The first one for me was a veteran, and I will never forget it. Yeah. Um, they they put a flag out for the veteran yeah. and they drape their body with a flag, which is just, it's a really powerful moment. Um, and I agree. I cried. Yeah. I was like a big baby. Yep. Um, my grandfather's honor guard, his favorite, um, volunteers also attended the honor guard, which was yeah. really special. People and yeah, people came back and, um, the dog, the dog pet mm-hmm. volunteer actually waited for like yeah. three hours at the hospice home for the funeral home to come so that he could be a part of the honor guard, which was like very touching to me. And um, I was wondering why he was just hanging around the dog and and the volunteer. Um, And when it, when I saw what was going on, it was very, very touching. Um, But something I've heard you share once in an honor guard or right after honor guard happened with a family um, 
was and and it was a very long journey that they had had and a very and tough a very, young a very young family and a very tough journey and you said to them you can't prepare for landing you just brace for it yep can you expand so she on was that? Like, so she, the, she was wonderful. And she was like, I've, I've prepared for this. Like, why am I so, like, she's crying. And I was like, you don't prepare for this. You brace for impact. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of how you stay, right? Like, if you're bracing mm-hmm. for something, you are tense and you are stressed and you are holding on to that, that high level of anxiety. And then once the moment happens, you're like, oh, no, what now? Yeah. Oh no! What next? Right. So, as much as you prepare, as much as you put in a place, you you're never prepared to lose somebody that you love. Mm-hmm. You are ready for them to be out of their suffering, mm-hmm. or for them to like go on to wherever they're going, wherever mm-hmm. you guys believe in your belief mm-hmm. systems. But you're not ready to like not have them at the end of other end of the phone, or not have them in bed at night, right? Or not set out two coffee mugs in the morning, right? You know, you you brace for that moment. I think that that was very applicable in my situation, in my dad's situation. You know, we all knew what was happening for a very long time. I mean, he had heart failure and all these other things going on. And then he died. And when I came back to the parking lot after drinking my beer, I finished the beer and then came back. Um, And I got to the parking lot and my dad met me outside and I screamed. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something I could control. Like it was just this weird moment of like, but I knew what was happening. And you couldn't. We were so prepared. I felt like we were... Yeah, you were braced. Probably way too prepared. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just, you brace for it. Yeah. There's You can't prepare for that. Yeah. And talk to us a little bit about the grief journey after that. So a part of hospice is also you receive grief care right, included. We've got bereavement services. I am not the one to do that, right? We've got a whole department um, that follows you for a whole year after your loved ones pass. Or, you know, a couple of months, we've got the groups, we've got individual counseling, we send you stuff in the mail, we do kids stuff. We have a whole lot of support after your loved one passes. Um, but, you know, grief, you know, people, I think have this expectation that like your heart will fix itself, right? Your little broken heart, if you can imagine like, you know, the heartbreak meme, right? Or heartbreak, (laughs) whatever's, it's not going to go back together the way it was before that loss. Mm -hmm. Your heart kind of grows around the grief. Mm -hmm. And eventually your, your grief becomes a little bit smaller because you get more love in your life. And then your grief becomes a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller, but then you always have those like triggering moments to bring that grief back up to that big size. If you can Mm -hmm. imagine like a balloon kind of getting bigger and smaller, you're always going to have that holiday, Mm -hmm. that anniversary, or that song on the radio, or that favorite meal that you're like, oh, or that favorite beer or bottle Mm -hmm. of wine or (laughs) bottle of whiskey, whatever it is, right? That you're like, oh, this hurts. It hurts just like it just happened. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's normal, right? There's Mm -hmm. no right way to grieve, there's lots of wrong ways. Mm-hmm. And I tell families, if you find yourself in a wrong way, call us. Mm-hmm. We're here. You know, it's also not all about the patients. I see you as a social worker in your role. And maybe you're not prepared for this question. I, I kind of give question feeders so I'm you ready. prepare. Um, you do a great job caring for your colleagues as well. They're, you're kind of like a cultural creator, I feel like, sometimes in the hospice home. Thanks. You also help talk with your team and help support each other, which is a very large team. So if maybe first talk about some of the different colleagues you have, because there's a very uh, yeah. so lot of different disciplines. In the hospice home, it's like your entire team in one building. So we have your nurse, your doctor, nurses, doctors, um, our nursing aides. We've got our chaplain. We've got our volunteers. We've got our volunteer coordinator. We've got our admin. They're called CTAs. I don't know what CTA stands for, but they're amazing and they do too much. Um, 
we've got our our chef in the kitchen who is incredible and loves our patients even if he won't admit it shout out to peanut butter cookies oh shout out for robert man (laughs) um and yeah so we're all in one building and so when for me i want to create i want to help create and foster a culture of a of an employer that i don't want to leave and i think that when people leave their job if they leave their job of course and there's opportunities across the country or you know, there's there's um, promotions, whatever. But we're leaving a culture. We're not really leaving a job. Mm-hmm. And I want to help create a culture of support and understanding and cultural competence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that real deep level of understanding that I don't want to ever want to leave. Mm-hmm. And you guys have a lot of hard days together. You know, we do. if there's a pediatric patient or yep. a really tough case that comes in trauma bonding it's real it is it is super real and I was with a nurse when somebody who was my age died and the way that her dad talked about her I could see my dad talking about me and as I'm with I'm in there and I'm like I think I was like I think it's happening right now right because there's signs that we look for of course and I looked at her parents and I was like stop talking to me and go be with her and then I'm like watching it. And I was like, do I leave? Do I stay? Like, what do I do? Yeah. I don't know what to do. I was like, let me grab a nurse. Nurses always know what to do. <laughs> and I think we were both kind of shocked. Mm-hmm. And like, we weren't like, I'm, I, I talk to everybody, right? I'm friendly, all those things that I have to be and that I try to be. Um, but after that moment, I was like, like, she's got my back mm-hmm. and I've got hers. Um, and so, you know, it was this idea of, you know, supporting each other and, and how do you hold space because you can't go home and talk about this. I don't go home and I say, you know, I had four patients die today mm-hmm. or I had three issues or, you know, I had three whatevers and, you know, we've got kids at the table. Mm-hmm. I can't go home and talk about my day in mm-hmm. a way that, you know, if I was any other job, mm-hmm. <laughs> I could. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's an important part for all of us in our careers mm-hmm. in hospice. And, you know, my therapist, I love her to death. Um, she she takes care of me every other week. And, mm-hmm. you know, I unload on her sometimes. And As you, should. you have to get it out somewhere mm-hmm. um, because it's it's tough. Yeah, it's hard to carry. Yeah. It is a, a real challenge. And we thank you and all these social workers who do endure that because it is a side of things that you know, so much is focused on the patient as it should be, but it's it's important to take a, re- a moment to reflect on the position of the social worker as well. And that's why it's so important for us to be speaking with Tara Moore, because she is giving us her perspective as a social worker, as she is a hospice home social worker with Transitions Life Care. And we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. On FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF, News, Talk, Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and we've been so lucky today to have Tara Moore here in the studio. She is a hospice home social worker with Transitions Life Care, and she's been giving us the social worker point of view when it comes to hospice care and 
Mary, uh, I think it's always cool to explore um, your perspective and the, the person who maybe works at Transitions Life Care or who mm-hmm. works in hospice because, mm-hmm. you know, as someone who works in broadcasting, when I tell someone I work in broadcasting, it's usually a pleasant or like intrigued and exciting <laughs> That's reaction. So cool. <laughs> but when, you, when you tell someone you work in hospice, the range really varies in terms of the reactions that you get. Uh, yes, it can yeah. be. A go, oh. oh, yeah. Uh, it depends on how someone feels about hospice. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of times people are like, ooh, that's really hard. How do you do that? Yeah. So talk to us a little bit. I, I know the reactions that I get when yeah. I say it, especially when I'm dating people, and that's really fun. I'm um, the buzzkill of the party. <laughs> I am always like, so my partner is. Um, is a former police officer and former veteran. And so he and I have a similar, like, we have a great war story conversation. So we equally don't bring up our stuff um, in public. And so, you know, but when I, like, my mom was like, oh my God, my daughter's a social worker. And I was like, oh, and they're like, I don't know what they imagine. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. And School then, counselor. Yeah, or like something. something like with like flowers and, and tea and there coffee. There are flowers in hospice. There are flowers in hospice home. Um, but, and then she says she works in hospice, and then they go, <laughs> or like, oh, does does she like that? Is she normal? Yeah. And my mom's like, or, you know, like, or whoever, whoever hears it, right? Does she wear like, black every day. I know. There's just so many misunderstandings. Yeah. Or if if my partner says it out loud, and he's like, like someone, somebody will be like, uh, is she okay? Yeah. And he's like, depends on the day. <laughs> like, I don't. Yes, she's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the gamut runs right, but I think that's because there's a lot of misinformation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're the place that you never want to need until you need it. Yep. And do you find there are moments of happiness and joy oh, that you for see sure. and, and feel? I have the best patient stories. Mm-hmm. Like, when people are older and they have lost all of their, like, filter. care in the world and their filter, <laughs> they've got nothing left. They're like, I don't care who's in the room. I don't care. Like, I'm saying all the things. Like, this is the time. I had a patient <laughs> tell me once that um, she's like, listen, if you're going to play the lottery, here's how you do it. And here's the here's how you do the scratch offs. And like, she gave me a rundown. <laughs> she's like, I've been playing the lottery longer than you've been alive. Awesome. Work on this. And like, you know, I hear great things from people all the time and they make you laugh. Right. And then sometimes they make you cry because they say the nicest things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of as with any job runs the gamut. And you have a lot of special moments, too. In, in our hospice home, one of my favorite stories to share, you know, we allow pets. You, yep. you can have your dog or your cat with appropriate vaccines. Um, a hamster, probably fish. We had a cat on a leash with a sweater that said, I still live with my parents. That was the best. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, my favorite story, I wasn't here at Transitions when this happened, but we actually had someone who had a horse. Mm-hmm. And we brought the horse to the patio of the patient's room, and she was able to spend time with her horse in her last days of life, which was really touching to me. And the, the and it shows the extent that the team goes to, to make patients feel comfortable. And, yeah. And, um, if you can dream it, we can probably make it happen. Yeah. We've seen graduations. Weddings. Weddings. I remember a wedding. Yeah, weddings. We've done, we've done, we do the shenanigans. Yes. So as a hospice social worker, what is one of the biggest things you've learned? You know, when you, there's great stories, you have a lot of great experiences and hard experiences, but what is what are some of the lessons you've learned working with patients and families? One of my favorite questions to ask, like married couples, is when they say like, oh, we've been married 75 years. I say, what's the secret? Mm-hmm. That is, I think, one of my best questions to ask. And I get the range of like, do whatever she says <laughs> or, um, you know, laugh with each other laugh every day um, and then 
I think one of the best things was never stop trying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's it's it's always this like you're building rapport quickly, right? Because you've got to get into a, a, pam- a family's room and they might not be here for very long. So you mm-hmm. want to build that relationship quickly. And hearing about their good times is how you're going to help them through their bad. Mm-hmm. And um, I so I we talk a lot about regrets, too. Mm-hmm. And no one has ever told me that they wish they tra- like traveled less, mm-hmm. right? It's always, I wish I didn't work so much. I wish I didn't miss the baseball games. Um, or I wish that, you know, I hadn't, or I wish I had taken that job and like made that jump, right? Mm-hmm. I wish I hadn't just kind of stayed stagnant. No one ever wants to work more. Mm-hmm. And I say that as somebody who works a ton, right? Like we work a ton mm-hmm. in this, in this world as Americans. Um, no one wants to, no one says, I wish I'd work more hours or banked more money, right? That's right. that's not what they ask for. I have to ask also, you, you've kind of walked around it a little bit, but have you ever been like, no, we do not need social work? Has there ever oh, been family situations? A hundred percent, like twice. And I can talk my way into, I know you're shocked. <laughs> I can talk my way into almost any room. And there's been a couple of times where they're like, no, thank you. We're good. And I'm like, listen, if you change your mind, I'm here. And I kind of keep checking in. And I try to meet people like at the coffee pot. Um, because you don't know what social work is sometimes. Right. You got to give me a chance to tell you like how I can be helpful before you tell me no. Yeah. Um, as we kind of close out here, uh, before we start our um, game, which I'm not going to let you see my okay. screen so we can play the game for real. Um, you know, any final thoughts that you can give to our listeners that are caregivers or that are, you know, helping someone through this? Any final closing things that you have for them as they kind of brace the journey ahead? Yeah. So I think a couple of things, right? You have a tribe around you. You have a village around you. Use them. There are only so many, you know, after a loved one dies, everyone brings you a casserole. Mm-hmm. Everyone brings you a chicken pot pie or whatever. And it's fine to say to people, you know, no thank you, but what about in two weeks? Plan your time out, right? So give people something to do. Like, I don't need dinner this week, but maybe some fresh fruit would be great. Mm-hmm. And you, the day that you lose somebody is very hard. Mm-hmm. The day after is harder. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we talk about that. We don't talk about, like, what does grief look like in two or three days? Mm-hmm. So really giving yourself opportunities to talk to your – to get your your village involved and, and saying, like, I, I, I don't want to see anybody today, but how about dinner on the 15th? Mm-hmm. And really using the support that you have and leaning on the people that love you in whatever short, shape or form you come in, right? You don't have to be dressed. You don't have to be anything, but, but lean on them. Mm-hmm. That's good advice, you know, and that's something that we experience. Everyone brings food the first two days, yep. and your refrigerator's full, full. And honestly, you don't really want to eat. Right. There's, like, this grief feeling of, like, I'm just not hungry, right. and or I definitely don't want um, like, lasagna for the fifth night in a row. Right. Um, it it kind of gets old, so that's a, that's a great piece of advice. All yeah. right, are we ready for the game? I'm ready. All right. This is called rapid fire. Okay. <laughs> just rapid fire questions, short answers. Ready. And it's all about you. It's forget. Oh, listen, I told myself on the car, I was like, do not curse. Do not curse. Like, behave yourself on the radio. We could edit a they little can bit. Edit out. <laughs> all right. Are you ready? Ready. What's your favorite age so far? Um, Probably right now, 34. I love it. We're the same age. Yeah. Uh, one piece of advice you tell your younger self? Uh, oh, God. Um, don't get the piercing. <laughs> <laughs> I got a piercing at a party and it still hurts. Like the whole still hurts. <laughs> One bucket list trip that you have planned out in your future. 
Um, we are going to try to go to Germany. Mm, that's fun. Where are you yeah. doing that? Um, I don't. Hopefully soon. Well, hopefully sooner rather than later. Fun song that you will play at your funeral. Oh my god, my favorite my favorite band to listen to over and over is um, Green Day. So oh, yeah. I'm probably going to go with like American Idiot or something like that. <laughs> That's a good one. Good one. <laughs> An animal you will be in another life. A bird. Oh, what kind of bird? Um, anything that flies fast. <laughs> Just to escape Just everything? Get, it out, get me out. Like Forrest Gump. Dear Lord, please make me a bird. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. I can't thank you enough for being here. It has been um uh, you know, a lot. I hadn't known you when I started at Trinity. I mean, when I came to the hospice home, we hadn't had many yeah. interactions, and I was like, "Hey, I'm Mary. I work here. Yeah, uh, that's my grandpa." Um, uh, you know, and I think that through our experience, personal experience, and many work experiences we've had, I, I'm just so grateful for everything that you do uh, as a friend, as a colleague, and Aww, thanks, Mary. Um, it, it means a lot to everybody, and you thanks. make a huge impact on everybody's life. Thank you. That means a lot. Tara, thank you so much for your time today coming into the studio. She is Tara Moore, hospice home social worker with Transitions Life Care, and we really appreciate you coming here into the studio. Take your patient's advice, make that trip to Germany yep. sooner rather than later. And, you know, if I were more on top of it, I would play us out with some green day here. But, um, <laughs> you know, we may have to pay some licensing fees to make that happen. Maybe next time. But Tara, thank you so much for coming on the show today. That will do it for us today. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong. You have been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.